Welcome rugby fans to, of course, another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar faces of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and, of course, by his side, Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. And joining us on this occasion, who we like to be able to call the Little Hammer, is, of course, Preston Hammerschmidt, who's here to be able to take on Scott and Rob in the familiar rugby debates later on. But before then, it's important to be able to share with you what's going on in the world of rugby. And to help you through that, we're going to be starting off with Around the Pitch. And here we are, gentlemen, again. It is exciting to be able to share what's going on in the world of rugby, whether it be at home in the U.S. or to our neighbors in Canada or farther afield. We have dug out what we think to be some of the best and most interesting things you should pay attention to as a rugby fan. Now, how it works, we're going to go rapid fire around the table here, and each one of us is going to share what we think you should know more about. So we're going to start it off with Preston Hammerschmidt. Tell us what you think is important. Uh, the biggest important thing I saw this weekend was three huge upsets. And if you're a super brew guy, like I definitely am, you love your statistics, <laughs> you should know that 94% of people on the Rugby Rant podcast, Super Brew, picked the three upsets wrong, which is huge. I mean, that's like four or five people picking them right, which to me is just them picking them because that's their home team. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous that three, <laughs> three, three upsets were like that. And they were by that big of a margin. I mean, 94% of people picking them is, is right. tough. So what you're saying is 94% of people were wrong. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. And everybody yeah. else can suck it. <laughs> so if everybody so so that means at 94 percent, it's fair to assume that even if they were your home team you still weren't voting for them yeah. <laughs> you know if you look at the stats alone but yeah that's pretty interesting and it goes to be able to show how great the rugby is right now that those picks are coming out as surprises that we're still getting interesting results this far into the season that it's still quite unpredictable as we make our way closer and closer to this playoff round. So thanks for highlighting that there. And uh, I must say that I, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to super brew, um, either I've forgotten to be able to do it or I just picked really badly, uh, but it's not been going well for me this season. (laughs) So let's uh, let's talk about the next one here. And uh, I wanted to be able to highlight that recently, this past weekend, May 20th to the 22nd or 23rd, I think it was, no, sorry, 22nd, uh, USA Club Rugby Championships were held down in Atlanta, Georgia area at the Silverback Stadium. Wonderful facility that we now know is the home for our rugby ATL. So it's great to be able to see uh, this type of competition, this type of rugby being played at you know the best facilities available across the U.S. Um, and I wanted to be able to highlight some of the results. And the ones at the top, let's start with that, D1 Men's. Uh, it was competed against Dallas Rugby and Skykel, 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 I butchered it, didn't I? <laughs> River Rugby. The scoreline was 46 to 16 in favor of Dallas Rugby. Um, one person online uh, commented underneath, could we just swap the amateur for the pro side? Um, <laughs> I thought that was a burn that was uh, unnecessary, but it's great to be able to see uh, good rugby at that level being competed at the, in stadiums like that. D1 Women's was uh, Nova, Northern Virginian Rugby, and uh, Colorado Gray Wolves. Wolves. The uh, scoreline 27 to 19, Nova taking the victory on that one. And uh, Rob, I believe that uh, you had some of the other results to share. Yeah, so it's great to see Club Rugby return to a national championship after a two-year hiatus. So that Mm -hmm. was cool. Um, So we had uh, D2 men's um, Charlotte RFC or Charlotte Rugby Club, excuse me, 35 over uh, Denver Barbarians 24, so 35-24. So congratulations, Charlotte. Uh, women's D2 Providence Rugby over Knoxville Minx. I love the Knoxville Minx name. That's just so cute. 25-8. Um, to eight. And uh, D3 Men's Union co- uh, Country uh, Mud Turtles. Uh, Scott's got to get one of their hats. I know he likes Definitely. that. 
um, fell short to Palm Beach Panthers, 48 to 7. So congratulations to all the teams that competed and especially the championship champions as we return to club rugby. Excellent stuff. Scott, what have you got to share with us? Well, recently the PR7s came out with how the teams are going to win the PR7s championship because, you know, there's going to be three legs this uh, this upcoming summer of the PR7s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, talk about interesting names. We will only have four teams in both the men's and women's bracket. And we're back with the original four, the loggerheads, headliners, experts, and loonies. And what they'll be doing is they'll be going uh, playing each other twice, uh, each in San, in San Jose and then D.C., right? So, like, let's say it's loggerheads and headliners and then experts and loonies in, in San Jose. They'll split them back up in D.C. They'll play a round robin, three points for a win, two points for a tie, zero points for a loss, a bonus point for a seven uh, differential if you lose, a bonus point for scoring more than four tries. And what's going to happen is the aggregate amount of points will determine the seeding for Austin. Austin is going to be a straight knockout tournament to determine the winner. And here's the thing. There's three winners, a men's winner, a woman's winner, and then an overall standings winner. So at the end of this, the, at the at the season's end, they will decide what's called the United Championship. It's a co-ed competition between the franchises. The men's and women's team for each franchise will combine points from all three tournaments, mm. and the franchise with the highest aggregate point total will be crowned the United. Champions. That is an additional twist. Yeah. That is so interesting. Cool. Uh, I like that. You know, yeah. and it keeps uh, it keeps it interesting right to the end. Um, yeah. And so one more note: he does count. The big guy will be in attendance for the DC leg, so come come at me, bro. Let's go. And and a and a sub note of that note. Uh one guy who won't be in attendance is David Fee. Uh, I'm giving him the wah 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 trophy because he has to go to a wedding. His brother's getting married and he will be missing out as family. Poor guy. <laughs> don't we know you never plan anything during rugby season all family and friends know this it's the rule <laughs> i like it i like it always throwing shade at some of the uh the familiar favorites and friends to the show uh david fee certainly one of those um and he was i mean not only was he there last time around but he was part of the coaching side so yeah i mean it'll be yeah, he won all he missed he won yeah he was part of yeah he was part of the right exactly team, yeah. right so cool. not even there to defend his title terrible <laughs> preston what else do you have to share uh, the one last piece I had, um, I got to watch the first part of the Utah Dilgronis uh, game, and Utah wins, and they stay undefeated at home versus Dilgronis. So um, for those guys who like more statistics, more interesting little tidbits and facts like I do, that's another one for you. All right, we like it. Keep it coming. So let me dive into the next piece, and we've been talking about this since it first came uh, available this season, is the 50 50- cap club for major league rugby uh it's an incredible honor and we have two more inductees to that club in position 16th and 17th uh, in the line of accolades is uh two former uh, uh um uh should we say um raptors players right john ryberg who was formerly also the number one try scorer in major league rugby started his career at iowa university in his final year uh moved across to the glendale raptors eventually became known as the colorado raptors before in 2021 signing for what we know now as the L.A. Giltinis. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's continued his good form. Um, we hope to be able to see him finding even higher honors more consistently. Uh, but he does definitely deserves that recognition. His 50 caps is certainly a milestone that is deserved. And another person deserving of that title uh, is uh, Pifiletti. Um, this is Foka Asi. Um, Pifiletti, San Diego, now more recently front row staple for um, the Austin Gilgronis, brought in some much needed experience in that front row. Uh, some stability that they certainly have found uh, throughout the season has helped them. Um, and his Eagles debut was um, a stellar one. I mean, it was against uh, the New Zealand All Blacks, although the score was not flattering. It's still great to be able to say that your debut for the Eagles, which was October last year, was against the New Zealand side. So both them getting great recognition and deserving those honors of being the next inductees to that 50-cap club for Major League Rugby. And with that being said, next up, Rob Hammerschmidt, what do you have? Oh, so let's stay on the theme of the MLR. And of course, we all celebrated. I know the big guy was a big fan of this. The league actually came out uh, at some point this season with a list of the sightings. So we know and can keep track of players that perhaps 
had disciplinary hearings and what the results of the disciplinary hearing were. Well, of course, what's interesting is to my knowledge, I think we just experienced the first sighting of a coach. And it's kind of got overlooked a little bit, I think, on on social media. Um, L.A. coach Stephen Hoyles, he's been on the show before when he was an assistant coach for L.A. He was suspended last week in week 16 versus the Dallas Jackals. Uh, Apparently, uh, he had some not-so-kind words from the TMO official um, in that game. He said, thank you for bleep sake, sir. Three bags bleep full, sir. So... um, that way I don't have to edit myself, makes my work a little bit easier. Um, but Scott so clearly Stephen Hoyles is quite the linguist. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like out of all the things you can say, you know, yeah, like if you're right. my point is if you're gonna get suspended for a match, you know, go go for the gusto. Go big. Yeah, go big. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, you know, again, interesting stuff coming out of uh, the disciplinary process. Right. So, Hoyles, you're on the naughty list right now, and you've made that for the first time. Uh, in MLR history, potentially, we might have to fact check that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's quite an interesting one there. And, you know, it's 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 uh, kind of funny at the same time. <laughs> so once again, it has been an opportunity to be able to share with you as the rugby fans what we think is noteworthy, what you should be paying attention to. And of course, think- as per usual, if you think there's something that we might have missed. <laughs> well, you did miss something, Tom. Yes, we did. Yes, you did miss something. something. You did miss something. So, All right. So he's excited to get into the ramp portion, I think. He just wants to get going. So, All right. Scott, what else do you have to share? Make it good. You're, you're going to so, big entrance here. So I completely missed my turn, but I just wanted to turn our attention back to the uh, Sevens women's standings. Uh, the last leg was played in Toulouse uh, this weekend. And unfortunately for USA and Canada, um, yeah, top 10 finishes, but not where they wanted to be. USA finished eighth, Canada finished 10th. Overall, USA Sevens finished sixth. Canada sevens women's finished 10th. And, uh, you know, on the men's side, there was a, there was some controversy there. And I think we might be talking about that later on. So I'm just going to say my lip about it right now. Yeah. A little foreshadowing, but definitely some fuel for the fire and fans will be really interested. Those that have been paying attention to sevens. And even if you're not, uh, you've probably seen it online through social media and it's a hot topic. Stick around. We'll be back in a few moments after we hear a little more from one of our sponsors and a lot more from Scott Ferrara. with over 37 years of experience american rugby outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty the aro team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out brands such as adidas barbarian gilbert canterbury and protect will deliver when the game gets tough whether you need team uniforms boots bags field equipment or swag for the postmaster social aro is your source for quality rugby gear They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, Arrow will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continental United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use Rant15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game. And rugby fans, we're back. And again, this is the most interesting part for many of our fans as we put ourselves and our guests to the test in the familiar rugby debate format. Our contenders and competitors today, a reminder, we have Rob, Scott, and of course, Preston competing against one another for top honors to be crowned top ranter. And what are these guys going to be talking about? Well, we, of course, listen to the fans. And what is the hot topic on social media is the controversy that surrounded the recent sevens installment of the HSBC circuit in Toulouse, where it found a really big question in rugby ethics. So if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, 
this most recent edition that was held this last weekend left three teams competing for a spot to be able to advance. Each of them were left only on seven points, and its points differential is what separated them to see who may advance. Problem is, with three teams, only two could advance. And the two teams that had that opportunity were competing against one another for that opportunity. But they quickly realized with some what might be smart play or dirty play, depending on where you lie on the side of this debate. And that's what we're here to be able to talk about. They realized that with just the first points on the board, they no longer needed to be able to continue. And so they stopped play for probably more than about two minutes and just sat behind the post running the clock out. And that allowed both sides of Argentina and also England to advance and leaving Canada out in the cold. A lot of fans on social media, a lot of great rugby personalities have jumped into this conversation to be able to ask that important question of rugby ethics or sportsmanlike conduct. Is it smart play or dirty play is the question we're asking our competitors here, our ranters, and we're going to start it off with Preston Hammerschmidt. Oh, lots of hacking this one. Um, I want to highlight that Ty said they're competing. This is a competition. This isn't a pity party for Canada who continually can't find themselves out of pool play, basically. In my opinion, I think it's a little bit of both. It's smart. They use dirty tactics that are frowned upon, but it's not illegal. And you have to do whatever you can, whatever loopholes you find, to compete and win and really in the sevens format winning isn't it isn't just winning a game but making sure you make it out of pool play and get into the into the bracket so i i, I think it's so tough like nigel owens talked about and hit in a tidbit i just think that it's all about competition like if there's no rule against it and there's that loophole to run the clock and kill it take advantage of that loophole. Like if you, even if you lose in that situation, someone loses, but they're making out of the pool play to them play and try to win the whole tournament. And at the end of the day, that's all it is for me is, is it, it's competition over a pity party for a team that just couldn't make it and isn't in, in it at the end, which is Canada. And on top of that, I do want to add this happens in sevens all the time, whether it's seconds or now minutes, and you'll see it in 15s too, where a guy will, get it passed back to him and he'll just kind of run around the backfield a little bit before he can kick it out and finish a game. This isn't something we're new to seeing. It's just how long that's, Mm -hmm. that something's occurred that we're new to seeing and it's going to change laws. But in this right now, in this moment, it's dirty, but it's a loophole. So it's smart. All right. So it sounds like Preston admires the tactics, (laughs) but you know, yeah, you, you bring up an interesting point though is that this is not new to, to how sevens has been played. It's not new to rugby in general, right? Time-wasting is a tactic that almost any sport, you know, if, if they take a knee in football, is that unsportsmanlike conduct? Let the player run out? Well, no, they're using the opportunities available to them. So there are many people that would side with you on that argument, though, that it's not written into the law. So it definitely is something that is allowed, but is it right? That's kind of the ethical debate that many fans are now, you know, exploded in, in conversation across social media platforms. And we're going to continue that conversation here with Scott Ferrara. Let's get hot, baby. So there's there's a couple things I want to say about this. So one, I think Preston's right. If it's if it's there's no rule against it, use it as a tactic. Um, secondly, I think Preston's right again. Um, Dana White, uh, president of the UFC, is famous for saying, finish the fight. Don't let it go to the judges. And that's that's a phrase I, I always keep in mind in rugby because, you know, if Canada won another game, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have been in, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. have come down to point differential. So finish the fight beforehand and don't have to. You don't have to wait for teams to screw you by waiting two minutes. Um, what I do find funny is if you if anybody watches uh, soccer or football as they call it, you know, in the UK, um, I believe the last week of the Premiership, every team, every game, every match is all played at the same time Mm -hmm. so that teams can't don't know what went on while they're on the field. So they have to play to win instead of saying, well, if we won't go to a nil nil draw, we'll both benefit from that. Right. So, you know, you, and, and I know that had happened previously and I forget if it was premiership or Scottish football. And then they, that's how they, they settled it. They said, everybody's going to play at the same time. So I wonder, you know, maybe HSBC sevens is going to have to look at multiple field use 
and playing at the same time now to avoid this or coming in with with some type of rule change if they don't want to see it. Um, the other thing is um, that we had another kind of controversial ending as far as um, sore losers. France uh, kind of doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Ireland score, they win, they get the ball back. Um, they're, they, they run out the clock by kicking the, the, the ball into touch and France got mad at them. I was like, that's exactly how every, every rugby game I watch happens. So I was very confused. And after the dust settled, you know, France shook their hands or whatever, but I just, you know, people were, again were saying, well, Ireland should be playing the, but why, why kick the ball out of bounds and, and lose possession, or, you know, lose possession and the match at full time. And you win. Like, so it was just funny that both of those things happened. And now I understand that there's different because it's people think it's unseemly to, to do this type of stuff, but that, that uh, Argentina and England did, but, Again, it's, I see. I think we're starting to nitpick a little. If there's not a rule against it and it's not dangerous play, what what are you going to do? And to be honest, if if HSBC sevens had a problem with it, the referee should have told him to play the ball twice and then whistled him for not playing the ball. Right. And you know, you you bring up some interesting points when it comes to the laws. Well, that's the rule book. That's what we have to be able to go by. And by the law, rule of the law, they did nothing wrong. But, you know, for viewership quality and, you know, sportsmanlike conduct is what people are citing as, uh, is that the game really wanted to be able to play? At the end of the day, which do you think that a team or a supporter may enjoy more, winning team or the team that lost, right? A lot of times people want to be able to be focused on the results and rugby is more as professional becoming more results driven than anything else. So a win is a win and it might not be the prettiest, but it still stands to, to as a win. So yeah, those are really important points to be able to bring up. Perhaps the law changes may be uh, amended. Uh, it's not uncommon to be able to see time clocks for kicks that was introduced recently. So maybe, you know, something like that could be introduced. But it wasn't until uh, until now that it became such an obvious issue, as you pointed out earlier, Preston, is because of maybe the length of this that people considered it ridiculous. And let's leave it there as we hand it over to Rob Hamishman. Yeah, uh, you know what I found most interesting about this is actually with two minutes, England um, would have been down by two scores or put them within two scores of winning, and and so I didn't quite understand why they just didn't try to play it out unless they were thinking about the potential of injury or whether because it was the one of the final matches, as Scott said, they already knew the outcome of other matches. They were looking at who they might play in the knockout round and they would rather lose and be second in the pool and play Ireland. Uh, sorry, Samoa sevens, who was 10th overall in the standings, HSBC right, an standings. easier run to further in, rounds, right? Instead of playing Ireland, who is ranked number four. So as Scott said, you know, and Preston started with a smart play because you're just playing smart rugby. And Scott's talking about, you know, the fact that um, we're looking at, you know, looking ahead, knowing the outcome of games already, where do you want to place yourself? I mean, this happens. It used to happen all the time in Illinois with wrestling is you'd know, you know, when you had, um, you know, some of the earlier uh, rounds uh, in different places be competed at different times you know, we would get the scores and you would know who you might wrestle or might wrestle off against the next level of competition. And so, um, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, if, if there's no rule preventing it, you know, teams and coaches are going to exploit it and that's what happens. But uh, was it in the spirit of values of, of rugby? No. Um, I, I think two things concern me. Well, three things, actually. Number one, the losers, the fans, right? They were booing. This was not exciting rugby. Sevens is known for excitement, yet there certainly wasn't any in this game. Um, with gaming becoming more popular, um, boy, that really tweaks the gaming industry and the betting industry up. And finally, what disturbs me most is, yes, Nigel Owens was concerned about this and said he could have uh, cited, you know, for foul play or whatnot, uh, some of the players here. But um, other officials don't. And the concerns me from a consistency of officiating this means something that's consistently officiated, not with a new law, but just how are you going to interpret the current laws and mm -hmm. there being consistency from official to official. And well, that law that you're talking about is 9.27 yeah. of the World Rugby Code and Ethics and what it basically says is that if for unsportsmanlike play, you can right. call the whistle. Um, and so the interpretation of that and the use of that is up to the free. And this is kind of furthering your point there is that, and I like that you highlighted that maybe it's not about introducing a new law, 
but by enforcing the law that's already existing. Now, is that the right law? Is that yeah. the one that's most applicable? According to Nigel Owens, yes, it is. So it still circles back around to the important question. Is it unsportsmanlike conduct if it's not against the rules? Well, let's let's go back to what actually happened. So Argentina is up 19-0 with two minutes left, and England only has to score one dry, try to bring that point differential to get them above Canada. Right. So when right. he realized Argentina was behind him, he started to take his time. And what he also realized was if we give the ball back to Argentina and they were down to six men, believe it or not, at the time, and they score, we're, we get bumped out. And Argentina is already in because they're going to win. Mm-hmm. So the art, so it really, it really comes down to the Argentines also quitting on the tackle. Everybody wants to talk about what England was doing, and there's a couple people who are in the camp of the Argentines doing it wrong because they just settled and say, "Well, we won the match because you're not going to score this." And then you know, and I, right. I, even they looked confused I, at first. But you know, then fourteen, you know, how many, how many, how many? Fourteen. You're going to score fourteen, fourteen points after you give the ball back to Argentine, the Argentinians. You know, you have to get the the you have to get possession, score get the conversion, kick it back to the Argentinians, get the possession, score to beat them. You know, so I, I think it's, I think people, I don't know necessarily if it was about who they were going to play if they moved on as much as, as much as it was Argentine, uh, Argentina, that Argentina was already going to win. England just needed the point differential and they both just kind of said, screw it. <laughs> I mean, well, even which then, goes like, back to my point that the fans lost in the end because well, they didn't get to see what they came there for, which is attacking rugby. I mean, not the English. Yes, or the yes and no. <laughs> yes and no, because I'm not sure how ticket sales work for sevens, but I'm sure after sevens match, they don't have security guards going through. Oh, you got to leave. You paid for this ticket. You got to leave. Like it's one match that I'm fairly certain if you're a fan, you're going there for the whole day. So it's one match that the, that a fan's going well. I guess I could go to the bathroom now a little earlier. And on top of that. Except oh, you the, heard the whole, the that they're booing, right? If they're booing. Yeah, I know they're like, if I'm a fan too, if I'm a fan too, I'm probably booing. But at the end of the day, you're going to see all these other games. Sit there, do you, yeah, hey, go ahead and just dance around the ring for, for a round and, and we'll enjoy, enjoy that. And I'll take a, I'll, I'll go well, take a piss while we're while you guys are out. Well, you got two minutes earlier to do that. You'll get back earlier for the next game. <laughs> well, that and what about what about MLR games having the the hydration break break? That's time that you're not getting to watch rugby. You're just sitting there on your ass. Yeah, but, yeah, but the time isn't moving, issue. and the time isn't moving. Yeah, you're not losing. Right. You're not losing any time of play because of. And I get that, but I'm saying it's like break. in either sense, you're just sitting there not watching rugby when you should be but when you not, should be not, watching rugby. About the watching rugby. Each minute is only seven minutes, right? I'm sorry, each half is only seven minutes. Two minutes in comparison is a large percentage of that half. But right? I'd, oh, I, I'd I, argue, I'd argue, for twelve minutes they saw Argentina score four tries. So they did watch attacking rugby for 12 out of the 14 right. minutes. And that's the other thing for, for Argentina and really England for that sense, for those two minutes in sevens, which is huge. Two minutes is huge. You're getting to sit there and catch your breath to hope to go back on the attack and be, have fresher legs in those two minutes. And then after them, you get to snap and go on attack and, and either team could have won it or Argentina could have scored two more tries. There's no certainties in rugby, especially sevens rugby. But when you're watching, when you're watching it, and Argent, the Argentinian uh, team is down to six men, what are the what like what are the odds of that? And then what, again, like we said, what are the odds of England coming back to beat them? Right. So your argument with two is minutes left. What impact would this have made if they continued play anyways? Right. Yeah. So, Rob, you want to jump in? I'll let you well, finish. I, I was going to ask you if, if indeed there's a sighting here, like let's say it's you're talking about unsportsmanlike conduct. Who do you right. cite? You cite Argentina for not forcing them to dot the ball down, or do you cite England for waiting yeah. until they're attacked? In this, I mean, in this think case, about it, it's it's just an this, extension. You know, it's just a longer extension. What most sevens teams do, they don't. They don't tap. Right. They may do. Until... They may do an extra five or ten seconds each right. time. But there's a man chasing the ball Correct. to put pressure on them, and there was no pressure. So as you say, they were both complacent in the act. Right. Well, so it's funny because in one of the USA games, uh, one of the USA players um, almost got tackled when he crossed the try line, and he rolled on his back, and he didn't down oh, the ball. I, it was the camp. I'm pretty sure it was the camp. And he went to down the down the ball between the sticks and the referee goes, no, it was down and they didn't look at it. The ball was nowhere near touching the ground. So it's, I just find it funny that 
in, in the USA match, a couple matches beforehand, they had a grounding that wasn't supposed to be a grounding. And then in this match, they had a grounding that never happened. <laughs> well, certainly a lot of action when it comes to sevens or the lack of action in this case. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's an old saying, there's no such thing as bad marketing. And right now, sevens rugby is the hot topic because of this. Uh, fans, you know, arguably might have felt she a little bit cheated at that time, but overall there was still some great rugby to be had. So let's just swing it once around the table as the original question may lie. And we need the answer from each of you smart play or dirty play. Where do you lie on this topic? Preston. I think it is, it is smart play by using dirty tactics. And I think it's ingenious by both teams. It's sevens, baby. Anything can happen. And in this situation, two minutes was killed and both teams made it through. Canada doesn't deserve it anyways because they suck at sevens recently. All right. Smart play. Too bad. So sad for Canada. Good thing Doug Wilkie can't come across the border. Yeah. Try me. (laughs) But he's saying. Me and my hop along Broadway. It's just for like a little bit more oomph, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. You have a scooter. You can move fast. Hey, you see me zoom. (laughs) Scott. Your opportunity to tell us what you think in your final thoughts. Uh, I think it's a smart play. It's not against the rules. And I got to be honest, in my opinion, it's not unsportsmanlike. I feel like unsportsmanlike is uh, is making a disgraceful you know, mm-hmm. match moment. Um, but i.e. Will Tucker this past weekend uh, for, for New York. I'm a New York fan. It was a red card. I fought every fan in the stands who said it wasn't a red card. And he's going to get suspended for a selfish action for trying to inflict an injury on somebody right, that's unsportsmanlike. Somewhere in the round of about three weeks, it could. Uh... That's that's unsportsmanlike. Not right. Good example. People, not not different. people gaming the system. Which which at that point, how many times has it happened? This is the first time I remember it happening. So you know, do we need to make a change? I don't know, but they're working within the rules that they have. Fair enough, Rob. Your final thoughts? Yeah, smart play for the reasons I said. You know, it advances them on the table. Um, maybe if they're looking ahead at who they might play, it's a pretty good tactic and it certainly saves them for potential injury or, or from even, you know, losing out on the table. But um, I do want to say, you know, with eyes on rugby as they are, especially in the United States, getting the rugby world cup in 2031 and 33, is this the kind of press that we want to have for fan for potential fans that are new to rugby or have yet to see rugby. And now they're looking at this and they're going, what the hell is going on here? You know, is this is this what we how we want to portray our game? That's the question. It's an interesting question and one we'll have to settle another day. But gentlemen, again, it has been another opportunity to put forth your thoughts here in the Rugby Rant Debates. We want to be able to remind you as a viewer at home, you can tell us what you think as well by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can tell us whether you think we're a spot on, whether you agree or disagree. We'd love to be able to hear it, whatever version it may be. And of course, you can continue to follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod when choosing to do so. We're going to be back in a few moments to be able to share with you something very special has become a familiar favorite to our fans is the run, pass, or kick interviews. But not before we take a few more moments to share a few words from one of our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant Podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try.
Welcome, rugby fans. Of course, it's that time again where we put a special guest in the hot seat for our run, pass, or kick interviews. And who do we have here today? Well, San Diego Legion, Chris Robshaw, by way of the Harlequins, England rugby, Saxons rugby. The list goes on with this man who has rich history when it comes to everything rugby. And I am honored to be able to say that he's joining the most prestigious show in his career here on the Rugby Rant. Your entire career has come to this moment. Chris, how do you feel? It's a pinnacle, you know. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I enjoy that. Flattery gets you everywhere with us. If you've never seen this before, we love it. So bring all the good energy you've got. But, you know, all jokes aside, Chris, it truly is an honor to be able to have you here. Fans have been excited to be able to hear from you since you landed on this side of the pond. But we're going to dive into more of that throughout the course of this interview. But before then, it's important we remind our viewers how it works. And for that to happen, I hand you over to my colleague, Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt. Thank you, Ty. And again, Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. It's a pleasure to have somebody of your pedigree join us. Um, so for fans out there who have never seen a run, pass, or kick interview style, it works like this. We're going to throw some questions here at Chris, and we're going to prompt every question with run, pass, or kick. So Chris, just like any good rugby player, especially one of his caliber, should be adept at handling a ball, just like he's going to be handling these interview questions uh, in any number of ways. And so one of his options is to run with a question, which is to say he's going to, you know, carry it straight up, get on the front foot and answer the question. Um, or he could tell us he's going to pass a question. It just means a little, he's perhaps a little uncomfortable with it, doesn't want to get himself in trouble with the Legion brass. Or he can have a little fun with us, make us work a bit, put us on the defensive, and he can kick a question to us. And that means that we're going to answer in a way we think he'll answer. And he can either direct that to Ty or myself, or he can make us uh, think a little bit on our feet. And whoever asks the question will have to answer it. Chris Robshaw, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? I'm ready. I hope you do some accents if I kick it back to you. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> I love it. I, I get so many American guys at the club to uh, they all think, can I have a cup of tea? And they're going to speak like this when they're doing an English accent, which is always very amusing. Um, My accents kind of rotate from Australian to English to Cockney and then somewhere in between. So it's never very good and it's often ugly. (laughs) Hey, rugby fans. Once again, thank you for tuning in and watching us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. As a friendly reminder, what we do here can certainly not be done week after week without the help of some great partners. One of which deserves a highlight here with Shop MLR, now powered by RugbyNow.com. They are certainly the leaders when it comes to everything Major League Rugby related for you as the fan. So make sure you go and check them out today at ShopMLR.com. And their deliveries may ship the very same day and you could have your kit ready for the next game day. All right, so we're going to go to the first question. Uh, Speaking of ugly, um, we know that you're good mates with a former teammate, one James Haskell. Of course, he he played in the back row with you uh, during the glory days um, with England. So uh, here's the question, and this was uh, told – I had to ask this because our partner was with us, Scott Ferrar, made me ask this question. Who's better looking podcaster, me or the Hask? Definitely the Hammer. There we go. Put that in the pipe and smoke it, Haskell. Yeah, me and um, you know, you could have said pass, mate. (laughs) I I don't know who I don't know who's got more viewing figures. I don't know if it's you or them. Uh, (laughs) we'll have to look at the stats for that, but yeah, I think he's he's doing very well at the moment. He's a DJ as well, Mm. he's DJing. Uh, but yeah, myself and Haskell not only played together, we actually played each other uh, against each other when we're about. 15, 16 years at school, playing through the school system, playing through the club kind of B teams and under 21 side, and then going mm-hmm. on to play all those development sides. Yeah. Development, yeah, development sides throughout the system. And then obviously going on and playing with each other for England, which is, um, and, and with him, I'm sure you've seen some of his podcasts. He's a funny guy. Yeah, He's a good guy having camp. And especially when you're away touring 
away for two months. You need characters. You need people like him, Joe Marler, Ellis Gens, these type of guys who, who definitely keep you on your toes. Right. Keep the spirits up in the side. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah and you need it because people are away from their families. People have yeah. good days, bad days, uh, mental health, all this kind of stuff. And you need people who can lift the mood. And um, there, there are some guys whose skill is actually to make people smile. And I actually say there was a guy who's retiring from Queens this weekend and he's a fantastic guy, a guy called Joe Gray, who's a, a very good player. Actually gone on and won everything. But it's his ability to make people happy, make people laugh, that gets the best out of people whenever he's playing with them. Um, and it's such a skill and it's such a unique, unique thing to have. Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, you need like many of those people in, the, in, in, in life in general around you. I imagine Hass took a little bit of the pressure off you when you were captain. You know, some some of the attention kind of turned to him because he draws he draws it in like you know the sun uh, has the planets in orbit, so to speak. So it allows you to be a little bit more free from that from that uh, spotlight. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've we've known him, and I think when people see a captain, they only ever see like one person. And I think leadership and responsibility is so much more than that. And with teams over here in the MLR to Harlequins to England, you have kind of a, an attack leader, a defence leader, a line-out leader, a scrum leader, all these kind of things. And then as captain, you're just overviewing things. Of course, you made a final call, and if you feel something isn't quite going right, you might step in. But there's a huge amount of trust in that because, like I said, people like James, people like Dylan, Owen Farrell at the time, uh, Brad Barrett was there. They were all captain in their clubs. So you have a huge amount of wealth of experience. And right. there's the old saying, you want to do whatever makes the boat go faster. It doesn't matter who the idea comes from. It doesn't matter. As a captain, it's, it's not about pride. It's about kind of winning games. So it doesn't matter if someone else recommends an idea. And it's right, you've always more. got the greater you know, goal in mind. Exactly. And it's, it's about getting the result and, and how do you do that best. And to have a collection of ideas where you would sit in the rooms, actually, kind of midweek, and we go through kind of what-if scenarios. What if our hooker got simbined? What if our, our winger got red-carded? What if, how are we going to play? Okay, we're I know, two points down. We have a minute to go, all this kind of stuff. What are we doing? So you play a lot of scenarios like that, and it's a lot of learning kind of off the field as much as there is on the field. I love that, you know, and we're going to dive into all of that great stuff throughout this. And and I'm going to take the opportunity to dive into the next question here then, Chris. So run pass or kick. Yeah, you're, you have a storied rugby career. This includes monumental Six Nations wins, a series against New Zealand, South Africa, um, rugby World Cup campaigns, and the list would go on, including as many as I believe 66 caps for, for England. So with all this in mind, this lines up the next question. Run, pass, or kick. Out of all those rugby matches that you can think back to, which one for you stands out the most? Ooh, yeah, good question. Um, good one, right? <laughs> yeah, good to get it going. Um, yeah, well, I think there's a couple. Um, I think from a club point of view, would be to, from a Harlequin's point of view, sorry, I should say, um, was winning the premiership mm-hmm. with Harlequins my whole career, my whole life as a kid. I had a shirt to go through the academy to captain to win stuff, but to, to win the, the big trophy is what it's all about. Um, so I'd say that. And I think from an English point of view, there were, there were many, um, but I think captaining them for the first time, leading the guys out, singing a national anthem for. My first game as captain was away at Murrayfield. And you kind of... Princess Amazing Arm. atmosphere there, though, too. Wow, phenomenal. The, the rivalry is, is real. <laughs> then we had Prince Anne come out, and you have to kind of oh. introduce all the players. And I was worried. I was like, just don't say anyone's bad nickname or anything like that. Just get it get it spot on. Um, and then when you sing the anthem, the anthem is... I know the Americans sing it, sing it very proud as well over here. and It's a very proud moment. We probably don't sing it as much back home as we do here and uh, as a kid I would always watch the TV and want to sing the anthem as well and kind of be at home in the lounge um, but yeah to do that for your country and you can see your family and your loved ones and all that and it's brilliant. Oh that's brilliant and and it's got to send you know shivers down your spine every time it happens every 
every one of those 66 appearances, I'm sure, gave you a different and unique feeling when you stepped on the pitch. But it's it's wonderful to hear about those experiences because, you know, for somebody like myself who's been following rugby, I'm an old fart. I've been following rugby uh, since I began playing in the mid 90s, you know, watch Delalio and some of those some of those old guys. It's it's like Twickenham and Murrayfield and, you know, uh, uh, the stadium there in Dublin, just storied storied places to play and it's got it it stands a point of reverie for many of us that haven't had a chance to visit let alone play but i want to go back to that point you talked about um that becoming captain of england uh if i'm not mistaken you became captain after having only one cap with england is that correct i mean that's incredible to think about that right i mean especially with england just one of the bright shining stars in rugby world rugby for you know decades and decades so run pass or kick were there any challenges to taking the captaincy over um above and beyond those that come with the role because you were relatively fresh-faced when you took over that responsibility yeah um yeah i remember this um i i think with it and Look, like I said, I'd only had one cat before. I'd been in and out of camps a couple of times. I'd seen seen how things had worked. I had captained Harlequins for a year or two before. Um, so, so I captained a little bit. But again, it was important for me to get good people on side, get good people in the camp with me who could help drive this side forward. And, and in doing so, it was it was then about going away and learning from other people. You said Lawrence Delali. I went and chatted to him early on. Uh, Will Carling, uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Timfield, a rugby league legend, and all these guys, and you're you're trying to take bits of their experience and put it into yours. And look, there was there was times where I would try something from from one of the other people, and I would get laughed out of room. And then there were other times where I'd try something else and be like, people were like, wow, that was that was good. Um, and it's it's using that that experience you can take, but also putting it into your own mould. Uh, which was hugely important. And like I said, I didn't have a huge amount of experience at that stage in particular and going to a lot of these grounds I'd never been to before. I had only seen them on TV. I hadn't even been as a fan a lot of the time. So it was trying to get me up to speed as quickly as possible. And um, mm-hmm. and I think in, in doing so, it was, yeah, it was, it was tough, but you wanted to do well. You wanted the team to go well and you needed to make the effort. Yeah. And, you know, you know, correct it, me. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob, continue. I just wanted to. I was going to say, what's else. interesting, and I love about what you said is it seems like, yeah, well, you pick and choose. It's kind of like, as, as I, because I've been a coach for several different sports with young, young people, high school kids here in the States, but you kind of figure out what works for your personality, right? Like you can't do things out of your character. Otherwise, it, it doesn't go well. You got to do things that stick with, with what you know and what you're about, right? And the values that you stand for. Yeah, precisely that. And, and that's probably early on when I got a bit wrong. I would try something which was a bit out of character and um, it, it doesn't work because obviously the people know you there quite well. So they're yeah, like, this really is strange. This is a bit, who's he acting for here kind of thing? <laughs> so again, it's, yeah. it's taking that experience, taking that knowledge, but again, it's putting it into your body yeah. and the way you are and stuff. Because there are, there are many different ways to, to skin a cat and you've got to find out what works for you. Yeah, and to put it in context for, for, for fans, I mean, it really was, as Rob said, quite extraordinary for you to have only one international cap and then on the next occasion be capped as the captain of the uh, of England. Because if I remember correctly, um, shortly before that, you you went to camp in 20, well, for, for what was going to be the 2011 Rugby World Cup campaign, if I remember right. And it was kind of at the time, you know, a, you know, maybe a, a lot of fans might not realize this, but you were very much on the rise. You were getting the nods from the right people. You got called up to camp. Um, but for whatever reason, it didn't end up working out for you for that World Cup rugby campaign. And then you come back in the 2012 as the captain for the Six Nations. So, you know, it's an incredible journey. That period in your life must have been pretty exciting, though. Um, and, and lots of lessons, I'm sure, learned along the way. Yeah, very much so. It was. And we had good success at, at Harlequins at that time as well. Um and it was just a, a brilliant chapter, like you said, to go and captain your country, to yeah. be out there at Twickenham in front of 80,000 people, seeing the anthem, winning the games, going against the best teams in the world is, is what you wanted to do as a kid. And for me, it was exactly that. The best 23, the best 15 in your country would be the best 15 in their country. And 
everything else goes out the window bar rugby for that exact moment right. because as soon as you finish you're seeing the sponsors you're doing the media you're doing recovery and you're preparing for the next week hey, so for I... that 100 minutes or whatever it is you get to finish right. rugby and that's all that matters mm-hmm. i want to step in and ask a question that's kind of off uh our our script if you will you know there's this tradition we've seen for many years where there's the jersey exchange you know um uh when you're playing for your country is is there a shirt you know that you've traded for with another player that for you is iconic for you for whatever reason that's a shirt that you put up um it's someplace important it ha- or it has some some kind of importance in your heart because of you know that game or the competitor or the effort that you put in yeah there's there's a couple um I think as a as a kid growing up, Richie McCall was a massive idol of mine. Yeah, right. As a player, phenomenal player, and to play against him numerous times, swap shirts with him. Uh, only got a better off him once, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I've got his and my shirt up. Um, I had some good battles with Sam Warburton over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and he he gave me his 50th cap shirt. Which oh was, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, which is very big. Um, and then what else? I mean, I've, I've got a lot. I've got Celia Khaleesi's first shirt as captain. Um, first shirt as captain. Wait, okay, you got quite the collection, my yeah, friend. Right. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty so. jealous as it is. So uh, <laughs> keep got... laying it on. What else you got? <laughs> no, 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 I've got some nice ones. Um, but in all honesty, most of them are, are in a bag under a bed somewhere. If I, if I'm honest, sacrilege, give it to me. I'll, I'll give it good honors. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, with, with us kind of bouncing around a bit at the moment from England yeah. to San Diego, I haven't had quite a space to put them up. Um, Taking that rug, yeah. I mean, it, it is, and with that comes to so many stories, the memories, the you know, the accolades. Um, it's kind of nostalgic, I'm sure, if you have to be able to pull out the box and you can kind of transport yourself to the energy and the time and the space for all of those those wonderful memories that you, you've gathered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try and rack your brain, though, back going back into your memory, though. 2015, here lines the next question, run, pass, or kick. In the 2015 Six Nations contest, opening round, England uh, up against Wales. What was the story behind the standoff in the tunnel that delayed the start by, I think, like five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, with Wales, there was always rivalry. For us, it was mm-hmm. a big one at the time. They, they were good and they were competitive. You always got a bit of stick whenever you went over to, to Wales. And right. years before we'd gone there in hopes of a Grand Slam or a championship and, and got beaten pretty convincingly, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, we went back and we'd heard they wanted to get us out onto the pitch early. They wanted to bait us and turn all the lights off and kind of spit and hiss and whatever else at you. It was, um, right, right. Just trying to rile you up, you know? You up and when you're in those type of environments, 10 seconds can feel like 10 minutes. Right. So for us, we just wanted to get a little bit of control back. So we, we got wind that they wanted to do that. So we're like, we're take our time going out we'll just stop we'll just wait and we'll just kind of put it on them and say we're not going to there today come mm-hmm. we see them um so it was a power play we, yeah exactly. <laughs> ref didn't really have much of an idea about what was going on and and we probably didn't realize the extent of what was going on um but no we managed to hold our ground and yeah we came away with a win that day which was great it, it, you know it's interesting the gamesmanship that you're talking about and so you know again kind of going off script here a little bit I know that, um, you know, the Hakka has been a source of, of a bit of that gamesmanship for a lot of teams, right? And there's a famous Wallabies test um, where I think Johnny Eels and company decided they were just going to carry on with a bit of, uh, you know, pre-game warm-up, you know. Yeah, just the throwing ball the ball around and... between each other, not like backs turned to the, to the Hakka. Right, right. And then, of course, you know, Owen Farrell's famous, you know, marching forward with the rest of the English team uh, confronting the Hakka. Um to, you know, just recently, uh, a uh, a player here in the United States, um, uh, um, lock for uh, Rooney, and I and I'm shameful that uh, I don't um, I don't remember his name offhand, but it'll come to me, I'm sure, in about 20 minutes. That's what happens when you turn Brakely? 51. Chris. Yeah, it was Brakely. Yeah, um, Brakely. You know, with the with the kind of cheating grin on his face, grin, but you know, yeah. But um, I guess was that a 
did did you guys plan that as a team or is that something where you as a captain said, you know, I'm going to pull something out of pocket. You know, I remember talking to Fitzpatrick or I remember talking to, you know, Jono or somebody like that and said, I'm going to. Where did the inspiration go? Yeah, what was, where did that come from? Yeah, I don't even know, to be honest. Like I said, it's just one of those things which just kind of evolved with time. Okay. It's just kind of before we get slow and then we just, I was just like, okay, we'll just wait here. Um yeah, I don't think, like we said, I don't think in our heads before going out, we plan to to wait there. Um, and I think with these type of moments, you then have to be good enough and go out there and back it up. And yeah. I think that's often what some people are scared of. Some people then want to say, yeah, we're going to beat this side on the weekend or we're going to do this because you're accountable for something. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're accountable for it, you better deliver. Because if not, you're going you're gonna to be asked to kind of beat your words. So yeah, that was, that was definitely something. And and yeah, maybe it spurred us on. Maybe it put a bit more pressure on us. Maybe it wrapped our side of the crowd up a little bit more. Um, and yeah, you, you never know how these things are. It's, but yeah, that turned out to it's be all good. the nuances in between, especially like, you know, in moments like that, that can make the difference. You know, one thing you didn't plan, but it happened organically, but it made a great impact. And, you know, that's the great thing about sports. It's the true reality. Uh, uh, you know, it's the closer we have to true, like real moments that are unscripted in life today, you know, because it's still very unpredictable. Uh, and I love that story. And there's a lot of people that were, were interested in being able to hear that because mm-hmm. it was quite a big thing across the rugby world, it had reverberations across uh, the rugby world in general. So uh, thanks for diving into that one with us. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to pull up the next question here. And um, this is more probably a little bit of the on the scripted side of things. Uh, you're obviously no stranger to social media. Um, we know that, you know, much of your personal life you put out there for people to see. And I think uh, a lot of fans appreciate that. It makes you more real um, for for fans. I know that, you know, your wife and kids are often a part of uh, your social media campaign. Um, so run past her kick. Have you enjoyed living in the States? you know, given that it's a little bit more low key, you're, you know, people don't necessarily know you when you walk down the street is, is, is that something you enjoy as a part of your life here in the States? Um, you know, I've, I've loved my time in the States. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I think from a, a lifestyle point of view, from getting to see different terrains and territories and cultures and, like we're in New Orleans on the weekend and yeah. we got to go out after the game and see Bourbon Street or Bourbon Street, which is uh, the famous where Mardi Gras and all that kind of yeah. stuff is. And to, to go on there is, I won't get that opportunity again. Yeah. To go and witness stuff like that. And for me, that was one of the reasons for coming somewhere new, somewhere different, somewhere English speaking. Um, and yeah, look, definitely there's a lot less pressure than, than back home playing. Uh, for sure, and that, that's not to devalue the league in any way, but as a product, American rugby is a good product. But yeah. like like anywhere, it's improvements can be made, and they will be made every year because mm-hmm. even from last year, what I've seen, it's better than it was. And speaking to the guys who were here five years ago, it's a hell of a lot better than that. Oh, yeah. And we, right. look, we look back at our, our premiership in England, and we've been professional, not only professional, well, sorry, professional, but it was going a long time before that as well, Ali. But we've been professional almost 30 years and we're still kind of working things out. We're still tweaking things. Hey, that's the same for New Zealand, South Africa, everywhere. If you look exactly. at, you know, how every league has had to restructure and, and try to find a way to be better. Exactly. And I, I think with this league as well, as long as it continues to make little improvements every single year by the time the World Cup comes, and of course that's going to be incredible, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great product. But yeah, like like I said, I've I've really enjoyed being over here. We live kind of five minutes from the beach. Nice. For me, the the ocean is a a big kind of mental switch off. It's a big mm-hmm. thing for me to be an able escape. To, yeah, it's an escape. You put your phone away. You whatever. You just go in the water and you just. It's pretty cold. I must admit at times. <laughs> um, it's what do you mean? Like You're used to the UK arms. water. It's got to be warmer than that. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit warmer than that. But you just go in there and you just, you're, you're at one kind of thing. And for me, I just, yeah, every now and then, I just, a couple of times a week, just pop down on my own for half an hour, have a mm-hmm. swim, um, have a little sit there in the sun for kind of 10 minutes and then get back in the car and come home. Just go. mentally kind of unwind and also the recovery process of the body and the mind and all that kind of stuff is, is hugely important to me. I got to ask, you talked about New Orleans and, and 
sorry to say, well, I'm not sorry to say, but um, I'm a, I'm a NOLA fan. Um, that's who I support. Um, so yeah, no one's perfect, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I realize that. Um, but I, I come pretty damn close. Just ask my wife, but nevertheless, uh, uh, did you get down to Lafitte's the blacksmith shop? The, one of the oldest buildings in new Orleans. Did the, did the boys take you down there? No, we didn't. We, we were only there for, we kind of arrived Friday afternoon, evening, and we left very, very early. We left at about half five in the morning on Sunday. So mm. it was uh, it was quite a quick turnaround. But yeah, we managed to get out for coffee and then a beer or so after the game, which was nice. Good which beer. was nice. Well, it has been a pleasure thus far to be able to spend our time here with you, Chris Rubshaw, from, of course, the San Diego Legion, but more importantly, from international honors to here on American soil. So for all of our fans at home, if you want to be able to continue learning more about this man, his career, and possibly what his thoughts are on rugby in America, stick around and you can join us on patreon.com to be able to get that additional content that is our new home for all our rugby fans who are looking for a little bit more from us here on the Rugby Rant and guests just like Chris Robshaw. So again, make sure that you check us out on Patreon. You can follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod for as little as only three bucks a month. You can get all the good stuff from people just like him, additional rants and much, much more. Your contribution certainly helps us to continue doing what we do, which is to aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. So once again, my name is Ty Brog on behalf of Rob Hammerschmidt and of course, Chris Robshaw, our man of the moment here. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you at Patreon for the rest of this interview.